Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast. We've got a great speaker today. Hope you enjoy. Good morning. Should have brought my sunglasses, not these glasses. So right up here. It's good to see everyone. Is everyone well? In the Christmas spirit? Who's got an advent calendar? Who, who ate any chocolate before the 1st of December? Tim's leaving the room. Tim, come on now. Don't worry about it. <laughs> We've had some confessions in the youth, and I just wanted to see the adults. Would they be so honest? They've been diving into their calendars. Terrible. So, so good to be here this morning. Thanks for the opportunity to preach. Really grateful um, to be up here this morning. I don't have like a Christmassy Advent type message, but I do hope to um, stir our hearts a little bit. Um, I'd, I'm not so great with slides and that kind of stuff, as you can see. I'm pretty good with blank walls, but um, and sermon titles as well. I always think of a title and I change it and I change it. So I've had like six sermon titles, and to be honest, I still don't have one. So well, I'll think of one halfway through. But um, so yeah, just uh, I had a great day yesterday and I chilled out with Aaron and the family and I went to Tesco's. I thought the best way to do some sermon preparation would be to get some pizzas and a wee bottle of beer for when my daughter was in her bed and so I was at the till and the lady ID'd me. She said, excuse me, do you have ID? I says, you are joking, aren't you? She says, no, son. I says, how old do you think I look? She says, about 25. I said, well, I'll take it as a compliment, but it must be the glasses. She goes, yeah, they probably make you look younger. I says, no, I was meaning yours. 35 in February, come on, 10 years are different, surely not. So I want to preach on, uh, on the disciples and how they were gathered and how Jesus impacted their lives and just to go through some of the um, gospel chapters to see how that came together and how it all worked. Um, and I've always sort of read these verses and you've you would know that Jesus called the disciples and they got up at once, left what they were doing and followed him. And that's really extreme. I don't know if you could imagine opening up your office on a Monday morning and Jesus standing across the road saying, come and follow me. And you just drop your keys and forget about your mortgage and your responsibilities and your payments and your whatever to follow. It seems really, really extreme. Um, So I've studied into it and looked into it and stuff and of course the disciples did get up at once when Jesus called them but there was a wee bit more to the story than that that you will only find if you go through the four gospels and you piece things together just so you know I'm not skilled in any of that stuff Um, I have to read what other people have have learned so I take zero credit for that whatsoever I just go and google like every good preacher does and finds the details and brings them so I'm going to read uh, from John 1, 35 to 46, and we'll just sort of break it down a little bit and go through today's sermon. So, John 1, 35 to 46. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. He asked them, what do you want? They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? 
Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying. And they remained with him the rest of the day. You'll have to really pay attention here because it gets a little bit confusing with so many names and different people. So here we go. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother, Simon, and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come, follow me. Philip was from Kelty. I'm only kidding. I think it's Bethsaida. Uh, who knows? Say it fast, confident. Is that right, Aaron? Bethsaida. That's just from. <laughs> that was Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathaniel and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph, Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. So there's quite a lot happening there, but you can see that the, the way they communicate to one another means that it's not the first time they've met Jesus. For example, they're calling him rabbi, so they know he's a teacher. They can only know that because they have heard about him. People have um, spoken about them, uh, Jesus to them. They've been around Jesus. They've heard him. They've heard what he's doing. He's preaching. Um, but they're also, they're already disciples. They're disciples of John the Baptist. So these guys have a pretty good understanding of Jesus as when they went on to follow him. So just to kind of clear, be clear a wee bit and stuff um, on how the background came. Um, Jesus was, he was in, a, in and around their lives. There's a time when Jesus was preaching um, and he, the crowd gathered and got too big and he jumped in their boats. Now these guys were repairing their nets so they'd probably just sit and like I do at my work <laughs> just sit Pro repairing their nets and then this guy just jumps in their boat and starts preaching and then he tells them to push their boat out a bit further no, so there was obviously they obviously knew who he was but at the same time there's something going on inside these disciples. They're being stirred by what's been preached by John the Baptist. He's declaring who he is, and these guys are listening. There's a bit of curiosity rising in them. Jesus is getting into their lifestyles. He's getting into their daily work. He's around. He knows he's going to call them. Um, and so that's really how it came around. So um, my, my point... Today, my title is called Passion, by the way. Just decided. Passion. I did hashtag Dream17 in January. Uh, so this is called hashtag Passion. So to do a hashtag, to be young and cool, you do with your two fingers. You make sure, first of all, they're facing forward. And you put them up at the same time. Otherwise, it will look pretty dodgy and I'll get offended. So you hashtag Passion is what we do. Uh, if you're young and cool, but you can do a hashtag, I'm sure. So, passion's what I want to really get from today. The, the passion um, that Jesus wants us to have, the, the passion that we should have, the passion from 
being saved and from being set free from seeing Jesus move, seeing people being healed. Uh, and I just want to, I want to sort of challenge myself and maybe you guys as well. Um, that at what level is my passion sitting at? Um, so. Bear with me. So the disciples, it went from just hearing people talking about Jesus. It went from um, Jesus being around and in their lives. And then they they developed this passion and this hunger. And as the verses go on in the Gospels, there comes a point when Jesus says, come and follow me. And that's exactly what they do. They get up, they leave what they have, and they go and follow Jesus. But it's because they knew Jesus, they, they, they'd built up this faith, they'd built up this trust in him, they, they knew without a doubt that he was the Messiah, they knew that he was the Son of God, um, certainly from what John the Baptist, and, and John the Baptist had made a way, that's what the Bible said, he was to clear a path for Jesus. And back in those days, when a king or when royalty was coming to a town, the roads were so bad that the whole community would come together and repair the roads so that when the king came, that they could travel along these roads. And that's what John the Baptist was doing in these men's hearts. He was making a way. And we've got the, the very same responsibility today as Christians to make that same path so that Jesus can get to the hearts of those who need to hear the gospel. Our job is to preach it. Our God is to speak it. But it's Jesus and the Holy Spirit that, that does the work, that does the changing inside somebody. So... Um, so what does passion look like? I googled this, but it let me down badly. First of all, when I typed in what is passion, it came up passion fruit and how to make dishes with passion fruit. I thought, I'll scroll down a bit. So then uh, passion, how to kiss passionately. I was like, we better stop right there. Um, I'm not going down. That's Aaron's job to preach that sermon next week. <laughs> so passion, um, I didn't really c- come up with anything. I actually then started to talk about passion of the Christ and stuff. So my question is, do you have passion? And I don't mean at home in your marriage, that's personal as well. But I, I mean at church with God, do you have passion and if so what does it look like can i ask a question who should be the most passionate people in the world would anyone want to answer that question who should be the most passionate people in the world come on absolutely the next question is are we are we the most passionate people in the world what does passion look like if a group of people came together and we were looking and you sh- to see what passion was. In your head, what does it look like? I've got a, a small video, 30 seconds long, to capture what passion looks like and what I think we should, that we should be as, as Christians and as a church and as a, group, a body of Christ. This is the type of passion that we should have. Just play it again. This is fans of a football team in Frankfurt. <laughs> I hope what they're saying is clean as well, by the way. 
Awesome. I forgot my props. I've got another question for you guys. Do you think you could see that passion in Scotland? Yeah? You do? Could you play the next video? Because I want to show you that, yes, in fact, the men and people of Scotland can actually hold that same passion. You start that again whenever it comes up, would be awesome. This is in Glasgow. Which is doing a, a huddle. It's a remarkable sight. And something new with the Celtic supporters this season. And I think so attractive to see. A real atmosphere inside this stadium, despite the disappointment. Oh, I think it's terrific. It reflects very well these Celtic supporters. The fact that they're not turning... 58,000 people coming together. Passionately to worship a football team. I don't know how many was in the first video, but if that's the passion a football team can can draw from hearts of men who love their team and their sport, what should passion in a church and the Christian faith look like? I, I guess we should be able to move the building like that as well. What do you think? We should be able to shake the, the floor and the roofs and whatever. I remember when I got saved, I, I, I remember having a bit of that passion when I, I used to travel to Glasgow in a wee Renault Clio van that didn't have a radio. I used to put in my headphones and I could barely hear it over this uh, old diesel engine. And I used to listen to the one song that I knew, it was Chris Tomlin, How Great Is Our God. And I remember going to the church and they would be worshiping and it would be great passionate worship but inside me I just wanted to like let loose I wanted to just jump and run around and I remember going to the pastor and he asked how I was getting on just being a new Christian just a few weeks old and I said oh do you know what I said I just want to burst out in joy I want to burst out and dance I want to run around and he says well do it but this fear of man and what people would think came upon me and affected me right from the early stages of my Christian faith. And nine years later, I still battle that same, you know, there's a bit inside me that wants to be like Lindsay. I want to jump and dance and be free. But there's something stops me from doing it. And then I see guys like this, and I, and I think, wow, you know, a football team can, can draw that response. And the, the, the savior of this world has rescued me from the pits of hell it's taken me from a life of immorality and, and all sorts. And, and yet, I, I can't give Jesus that, that these guys can give a football team. And I think, there's something wrong with me. That I should be able to express myself a lot more free. And I think God deserves that, doesn't he? He deserves that passion from his people and his church and, and all believers. Uh, and, and it's not just in worship. It's in, it's in about how we communicate Jesus to people. Uh, I think the finest example, and I'm, I should have asked this guy if I could say this before, so Joe, please forgive me later, but this guy is the finest example to me of what it's like to be set free and to be on fire and to be passionate. And Joe said to me in the cafe, he said, I just want to tell everyone about Jesus. My, my goal is to bring one, try and bring one person each week to church. What a heart that this man has. And Joe, I see... Um, like a sort of thinking, praying, and I see an evangelist in you, and I see 
God's going to use you powerfully and massively, and I don't think it'll always necessarily be with a microphone, maybe not on a stage, maybe not with lights, but it's going to take you into the slums of people's life, and you're going to tell them about Jesus. You're going to make a way, and you're going to, people will be set free. And I see you standing before Jesus Christ, mate, when he's putting a crown of righteousness on your head, and there will be thousands of people there because of you. That's what I see. I think we should give up for this man. He has battled so much. If you want to get around somebody who's passionate, go and sit with Joe in the cafe after the service and he'll buy you a lunch. I'm only kidding you. <laughs> but Joe, I'm just, you're such an inspiration. and I, I just want to take you back. What, what, what was it like when you got saved? Where were you and how, how, how was it? Do you remember those feelings of being free and just... You know, what happens is life just comes in and we, we develop these fears maybe of expressing ourselves and we become a bit lukewarm and we become a wee bit switched off to what God's done in our life. And I, I just want to try and stir us. You know, Jesus came, uh, he, he, as I, at this time we celebrate Christmas, he came, he gave his life for us. So, and now we've got this incredible responsibility and joy. It's not a burden as such, but a joy to go and tell people about Jesus and to tell him everything he's done you know there was no pressure put on the disciples John just told them about how Jesus how awesome he was and and and, it, and it, it it started from there the church that we are in today started because of that um so it also says in the scriptures when Nathaniel questioned and he said can anything good come from was it Nazareth? Better double check before I get stones hurled at me for blasphemy. Yeah. Can anything good come from Nazareth? My question is, do you believe anything good can come from Dunfermline? Do you believe anything good can come from Scotland? Do you believe we can see churches with as much passion as those German football supporters and even locally across in Glasgow celebrating their football team. Do you believe, Jesus, we can get the same passion out of people by introducing them to Jesus, by seeing the Holy Spirit move in their life? Um, you know, when Jesus spoke to Simon and, and changed his name to Peter, when he says he's going to change his name, with that, he, he changed a change of name signified a change of character. And I, I just want to encourage each one of us that you maybe feel that you've got baggage or you maybe feel that you're overlooked or you maybe feel that because you're not in, in a big church or you're not in a, a specific role that God can't use us. But Jesus looked at Peter intently. That's the word it used. He looked with intently. He knew that in this guy who was like quick to speak, he was brash, and a, uh, you, you've probably read in the verses and stuff, he was quick to say the wrong thing and he was quick to do the wrong thing. But Jesus just seen the gold inside him. He knew he could use him to build his church. And Peter went on and preached, and, and one day so many thousands were saved. I mean, that. But it wasn't always like that for Peter. But Jesus changed his name, and he looked at him intently. And Jesus looks at each one of you guys 
intently. He believes in you. He can see great things ahead. He sees the gold. And he, it's, the Holy Spirit's able to move and work through us in any way possible. But sometimes I think we can hold back that work. And um, I've got some Terry's here. Borrowed them from Michael. I like them. My daughter is three and a half years old. She's seen these in the bag this morning, by the way, and she just stared at me as if to say, why are these here? And I, ah, oh, daddy's going to use them just, just to show people a wee, a wee story and stuff. Is that okay? No. I was like, oh, this is not working out how I thought. So, um, yeah, from very early on, my daughter, when she was just a tiny, tiny kid, like just, barely able to crawl, she would see things across the room like a speck of dirt, I mean a speck that we couldn't even see, or a crumb, um, and she would just make her way, she would be like laser focused, she would like shimmy across this floor and she would get uh, whatever it was, and then we had to be even quicker to like grab it and stop her from eating it or whatever it was, um, but that that laser sharp vision that she had has has um, stayed with her um, and you know as a parent you love to spoil your kids so you should see the amount of terry she has it's unreal it's just crazy how how much sacks feel kind of get moving in my house for terries and dogs and rabbits and not real ones um, but we would always give she would ask for a dog for her birthday or a christmas and uh, we would wrap it up and give it to her and we'd be so delighted and excited to give her the present and um, she would open it up and for a, for a second there would be this moment of great excitement that she's got the dog that she wanted but then instantly she would reject it she would just throw it down like I'm crushed I've waited weeks to give you that present and the reason she did that is because of the labels there, there are a few that have escaped her um, her uh, serious obsession with there being labels and she would refuse to accept the toy until the label was taken off it and uh, sometimes it would be Disney toys like genuine the real deal Disney toys and this is shocking but all I see is them on Gumtree in a few years time or on eBay advertised as genuine Toy Story toy <laughs> played with by a three-year-old for so many years still got the labels on it it's worth three quarters of it's the original price, but no, my daughter is determined that she does not want any labels on any of her toys, so she rejects it and will not give a, not accept it until I cut the labels off. It could be a thread as well. Pick up either, not sharp enough. This is like going to end up with a broken mic or a gouged out eye. I need an assistant. <laughs> Michael. <laughs> Michael could cut that label. Stand up here, let everyone see you. <laughs> Give it up for Michael, my beautiful assistant. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So Michael's cut the label off. And what the, the purpose of this illustration, thanks, mate, is that over the years of our, in our faith, do we label ourselves in such a way that makes us 
lose our passion and our hunger and our ability to preach the gospel. I know that if I have to be honest, what's on my label, it would be fear. Fear of speaking about Jesus to people. Fear of uh, telling people about my faith. And I, and, I, and I see this illustration as a label that I've allowed to attach to myself. But Jesus looks at you intently and he, he wants to cut all that stuff off of us. He wants us to be free in who we are. He wants us to believe that in Dunfermline, good things can come. And he wants us to be passionate about his kingdom and the gospel that set each one of us free. Can I ask a question? Who needs to be stirred a wee bit for, and gain a little bit more passion? Who needs that fresh stirring? Does anyone be so honest to say, do you know what, I've let my passion go down a little bit. My fire's cooled. Um, and, and so that is the hope of this message that when we celebrate Christmas, we do it passionately. We know that Jesus has set us free. Um, I've got a song just so we can chill and enjoy, well, not chill, but just to worship. Typical guy and, and not thinking there's no lyrics. So if you don't know the words, you'll just have to do what those German football fans do and sing something random. But I want to encourage you all, guys, that Jesus looks at you with the greatest intent. He sees the greatest potential in each one of you. And he's well aware of the baggage that we've maybe acquired and the, the times when we've not been bold and spoke out. And I don't know if you ever have stepped out in faith and preached the gospel to someone but there's something incredible takes place inside your spirit i remember my mate who's passed away now he had tried to commit suicide and he was in the hospital i know i've shared this story but the we went to visit him and he took us down to the chapel where he'd went and wrote in the, the book to communicate to god he was just desperate for hope desperate for help and pastor jimmy and i went and we spoke to him and this guy was radically, radically set free. I've never experienced the presence of God like I have in that moment. And it, there's such a joy inside of us when we take the gospel to somebody, when their eyes open and their ears open to hearing that Jesus Christ is the one who can answer all their prayers. He's the one that can help them in all their situations. He's the one that they've been searching for for all those years. And then the question comes, why did nobody tell me about this sooner? We've got this fantastic responsibility to rise up like the disciples. They gave their lives for Jesus Christ. They went forward. The, the, the gospel would cost them their life. It would cost them their livelihood. It would cost them the luxuries of life. But geez, they, they just went for it. And I, I want to ask this morning, are you prepared to step up? And are we prepared to support our new pastors? Are we prepared to see our town changed and Dunfermline changed and people's life changed? And the need is out there. Just recently, I was asked to go to a job at my work. And the old lady thought that we were turning up to fit a smoke alarm. And she was really low. And she said, is the smoke alarm the one that goes off when there's carbon monoxide? And I said, no, that's a as a carbon monoxide detector. She said, is carbon monoxide the stuff that just takes you away quietly in your sleep with no pain? I said, yeah, carbon monoxide does have that effect. She says, well, son, don't bother fitting one. She just said, I've had, I've had enough. I don't want to really be here any longer. The need is so great. And we hold the most magnificent gift to take the gospel to somebody, to represent Jesus Christ, to be bold like Andy Hawthorne, 
it's in each one of us. But we need some passion, we need some stirring. We can't have football teams be more passionate about a team who could get hammered one week, win the next, draw the next. We know Jesus is just a winner, isn't he? He's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Why don't we stand up, turn the music up. And, uh, yeah, let's, let's give it up for Stephen, shall we? Let's, uh, let's take our seats. Just keep that sound down. We're going to do that in two minutes, Stephen. We're just, just have your seats for a minute. Turn the volume down. We're going, to, we're going to stay on this message for a wee minute, and then we're going to do exactly as Stephen says. But um, this is a message for now. It's a great message. Stephen hears from God. He's brought a, he's brought a stir, and he's brought a challenge. And I just want to encourage us to, to really take it on board, to really press in and to, to pray just now. I'm going to ask someone to share a little story. You know, Stephen was talking about our passion. And uh, I just want to encourage us all because I've been in that place where our, our love can get lukewarm and we can get apathetic and we, we get busy and we get caught up in the things of this world. But we're not a citizen of this world. We're a citizen of another kingdom. And a couple of practical challenges I want to put out to you in response to Stephen's word is... My dad quoted last week that the average person attends church one and four. This is in America. Uh, UK, I don't know what it is, one and two. A practical application would be commit to a Sunday, to being here every single Sunday. Get here, prioritize it. Prioritize, you know, if, if you're passionate, get here. Whether you feel like it or not, make this coming to the house of God to worship God. You know, the Sabbath day in Old Testament, it was like, you know, the Sabbath was one day devoted to God. Now, we, we don't necessarily believe in the legalism of, of the Sabbath, but the principle of, of commitment, of passion, that's how this place was. was uh, that, that, that's why we're here today, because a group of people decided, you know what? We're going to be here. We're going to be passionate for this house. We're going to give ourselves for the kingdom of God. We're going to give ourselves to all that God has, regardless of feelings, regardless of emotions. So I want to, I want to challenge you. Some of you do. And of course, there's, there's emergencies come up and all that. But today, people will skip church for anything. And I want to challenge us. Make God your first love. Make him your priority. Not only your... Um, not only church on a Sunday morning, but your small group. Just play that again, please, Peter. Your, your small group, your life group, you know, make it a priority. Of course, there's emergencies and of course, there's genuine reasons. But come on, people, let's stir it up. Let's be passionate. Let's be devoted to meeting together. Not give up meeting together as some is in the habit of doing or allowing anything to come up and say, okay, we'll be more devoted. You know, we can be sometimes more devoted to our clubs and our societies and our, and our work than the house of God and the kingdom of God. And so that's a challenge. But I want to also say our passion and outworking of that is to commit ourselves to prayer, to daily prayer privately, individually, just you and God. Just get time alone with God. Prioritize it. You know, these old school spiritual disciplines, the, the passion, that's where it comes from. 
is our, our, our private devotions, getting in the Word of God. And I want to want to stir us and say, yeah, we can put our hand up and say, yeah, I want to be passionate. And we wake up tomorrow morning and we're like, forget what Stephen's preached about and we just continue to go on. Let's put some, let's put some practical applications onto that. And let's say, let's be devoted to Him, devoted to His presence, devoted to worship, devoted to do the things that God has called us to do. You know what? To do, as my dad was preaching last week, to do the thing that you don't want to do, to do the thing that is uncomfortable, that's what it means to take up our cross daily. That's what it means to die to, to self. Lindsay, come up and share a, a story with us. Lindsay, let's welcome Lindsay to the, to the stage. We've been challenging each other to do that, to be passionate when someone says they're sick, not just to go, oh, that's a shame. I'll be thinking about you. Because that's easy. You know, we're Christians. We believe in a, we're, we're part of a different kingdom. We believe God is alive and God heals. And so we've been challenging each other to step out and to pray. Lindsay, would you just tell us the story of the soft play, the women that you met in the soft play, and, and, and how you felt, and what was the outcome? Thank you. Sure. Um, I was at a party. It was... Um, Annalisa's party with Mavis and Roland, which was in a soft play in Wonderworld in Kirkcaldy, which is a really amazing soft play <laughs> if you're a kid. <laughs> and if you're an adult, it's kind of noisy, but <laughs> it's still fun. Um, so I was there, and it was the all the kids were having fun, and Annalisa also goes to the same school as my girls, so I knew a quite a few of the mums that were there and um, it's a lovely mum who was there um, and I said hello how you doing and immediately she said oh I'm in agony my uh, shoulder she said I don't know what I've done to it she says but I can't move I can't pick my child up I can't I can't even get myself dressed I, I'm, I'm just in agony I don't know what I've done and uh, and we've been studying the healing training and just being bold and being faithful. And I said, well, I says, I believe um, Jesus still heals today. Can I, can I pray for you? And uh, she kind of looked at me. And she went, sure, sure. Let's find the table. I was like, okay. I was like, it's just kind of awkwardly following her about until she decided to find a table and put her stuff down. God, it's getting awkward, but let's go for it. And anyway, she sat down and I was like, dear Lord Jesus, uh, we just pray for this, this uh, lovely mom. And we just, you know, I just prayed over her and asked God to heal her, asked God to touch her. Um, and then I asked her, how's your arm? She's like, feels a bit better. I'm like, can you move it? And she was like, ah, it's still sore, it's still sore. I was like, okay, we'll pray again. And did this two or three times and she was like I think it's because I believe yes yeah, it's, it's a bit better but still still really sore I was like okay well I pray that God continues to heal it and I'll leave it at that <laughs> and I was uh, I was like ah oh, that's a bummer God that you didn't do it right there and then <laughs> and that would have been good <laughs> but um it was a bit better and anyway I kind of left it and I thought um, we're enc encouraging each other to share the stories if you know if you've been praying for people so 
Erin had encouraged to share it with some people in the church, and I was like, oh, I was felt less keen to do it because it wasn't an immediate healing. And anyway, it was a wee while until I was in the school playground, and I saw the same mum, and I walked. Uh, she was speaking with her friends, so I kind of pulled alongside and in the waiting position for the children to be released from school. And eventually she came over to me and she says, I says, oh, how's your arm? She's like, it's healed. I was like, wow, that's amazing. So it's all better. She's like, yeah, it's really good. I was like, oh, wow. And then she just moved on to speaking about something else. But I was like, wow, God, you're amazing. You did it kind of in your time. And, and she actually used those words. And I don't think it... It was something that would just get better. It wasn't like one of those, okay, you've given it a few days and it must have just been a crick in the neck and it's better. I mean, she said she couldn't even get dressed, she couldn't lift her arm. It was, by the sounds of it, it sounded similar to either a ruptured ligament that doesn't just heal in a day or two or, well, there's I'm sure there's doctors out there that, but it was definitely God healing which is amazing and however God decides to heal um, he heals and it's his timing and however he wants to do it but it's having that faith that God sees um, God sees and I just want to encourage you guys just to 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 be the person he's called you to be Um, so yeah put hands together for that um is that something you do a lot, Lynn? Is just pray for someone when they tell you they're sick? Uh, probably, I'd probably say, what a shame. That's, that's hard. We'll pray for you. And so it was slightly uncomfortable for you to do that? It was, yeah. Yeah. So isn't that great? Isn't that great? We can all, let's encourage each other. Let's inspire each other. Let's, let's stand to fear. I want to I pray. We talk about passion. Let's, let's be passionate for him first and foremost let's come to him daily on our knees let's not look for other people other things for the breakthrough let's if you need a breakthrough in your life you've got to press into God and 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 pray and seek his face you know the Bible says if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves listen God's calling us to humble themselves who we've got a we've got a city to reach people We've got a city, if you have a look around, they're not in here this morning. If you look around the last 52 Sundays, our city are not in here. By gathering together on a Sunday, we're not necessarily reaching the multitudes. This is to prepare us to go out and to do his kingdom work. This is to prepare us to do his work of service in the city. So it's essential. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. It's essential to be committed to God's house. It's essential to, to commit yourself to get here. You know, that when we were growing up, that was just one discipline that was taught into us. You miss nothing. You miss Sunday for nothing. Now, that's not legalism and it's not extreme. There's obviously certain occasions, but that's a principle. You know what? God's house is first getting here. That You know, wouldn't it be great if we bucked the trend that we weren't a church with an average of people that attended one in four but we were a church that were com- uh, that committed to four out of four every single Sunday see if you're passionate 
you want to be here. And you're not just be here, you know, dragging yourself in late. You're being here early. You're being here. Who can I welcome? Who can I love? Who can I speak to? Is it challenging to hear that? Of course it's challenging to hear that. Some of you already are there. Some of you have already been doing that for many years. I want to thank you for setting that example for us, the younger generation. I include myself in that younger generation and the younger generations. But you know, those old school discipline of commitment. So Lord Jesus, we just love you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for Stephen. We thank you for that word that he's been stirring with us today, Lord. Lord, I take it on board. I need to be so much passionate for your kingdom because our life here on this earth is but a breath. We're going to be with you very, very soon, and we'll enjoy worship, and we'll enjoy fellowship for eternity. But the one thing that we cannot do, Lord, is mission. One thing we cannot do when we're face-to-face, we cannot tell anybody else about Jesus because they'll all know you that's the one thing you've called us to do and God we pray that by your spirit that you would come now you would make us a passionate people we thank you for the Celtic fire that is in the people of Scotland oh God and very often Lord as Stephen's rightly pointed out that has expressed at football matches but we're inhibited in our devotion to you in the Christian place of worship Lord we can be hindered Lord and and far so we just pray that you would release you would send your spirit you would stir something up in our hearts oh God make us devoted to you Lord we want to reach the multitudes in this city Lord we're sorry when our heart has grown cold we're sorry when we've grown apathetic we're sorry when we've got discouraged we're sorry Lord when we've given up Lord we're sorry when we're just trying to hold tight until we get to heaven Lord we've got cities to transform we've got people to reach Lord there's people Lord that are dying to hear the good news and you're commissioning us Lord as a church and so we just pray stir us up by your spirit in Jesus name amen can I just speak personally to the men in here as well um this wasn't my sermon and I didn't finish on it but the the story of Christmas and Jesus being born quickly goes to a time when King Herod didn't want Jesus to be the king and he sent out his soldiers to take out all the males under two to stop the kingdom of God advancing. And I think today in this world, uh, this time, that Satan has the same tactic to take the men out of the game, to take the passion out of the men. And I, I just want to speak to the men in here to say that we have a huge responsibility to be the heads of our home a huge responsibility to live in purity, a huge responsibility to set the standard and to set the spiritual temperature in our homes. And the devil will come at us in so many ways, through pride, through lust, through whatever. I just want to encourage you guys to rise up, to be spirit-filled, cut the labels off. Jesus looks at you intently. He knows you've got it in you, and he he, um, delights upon you guys, and he's with us, his Holy Spirit. I just wanted to finish on that. As a, as, a, as a man-to-man thing, and I'm uh, oh, sorry, ladies, to cut you out. Soon it'll be different, but man-to-man, just to challenge you guys. Who wants to worship? Who wants to? The reason I chose this song, do it again, because you know God's moved in you. You know the Holy Spirit's moved in you. You know things have happened. You know you've got had testimonies in the past. Who wants to see it again? Come on, the song is called Do It Again. Let's believe God can change. Uh, let's... It's a new day. His mercies are new every day. Whatever we've opportunities we've not taken before, it's a new day. 
Let's start this week afresh, believing that God will, we can be used by God, we are available. Let's sing this song. Who wants to worship? I just want to praise God. I want to dance. I want to jump. Who's, who's in the mood? Lindsay, you're the jumper. You should come up here and set the face, set the bar. Let's just turn this up loud when it's finished if the band want to come back up. But for the next few minutes, just enjoy worshiping and believing that God's going to start uh, a, a new fresh season in our lives. Amen. Come on.
Come on, people. Let's let's see some of that passion. Come on. I was at my uncle's funeral this week, my dad's brother Donald, who sadly passed away. And the minister, Ian Allen, got up and he said, you know, just a few months before his death, he walked into my church and said, I'm back. For many years, he had just put Christianity to the one side and just walked his life. But he had been diagnosed with cancer and he walked back into the church and he said, I've put myself right with God. I'm ready to meet my maker. I've had this forgiveness, I've made many mistakes, but I'm back. And I thank God that he's willing to take us back at any time, at any stage. I want to ask you, are you right with God? If you meet him face to face right now today, are you ready for him to receive you? And all you need to do is you just say, Father, forgive me. I believe you sent Jesus to die on the cross to take my punishment. And he comes to live inside you. You come to get a brand new start. I want to give you that opportunity. Always be ready to meet your creator because you are going to meet him face to face. We all have a day that we will, uh, God has our days numbered. And so if you're not ready to meet him face to face, you can be made ready right now just by giving your heart to him, asking him to forgive you, ask him to make you a new person. And let's all say this prayer together nice and loud. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. I am sorry, God, for living life my own way and without you. And I ask you to forgive me. I choose to put my faith in you. I choose to believe you are my Lord and Savior. So come into my life now and make me brand new. I don't understand it all, God, but I choose to put my trust in you as my Savior. Thank you, I'm a new creation because of the cross of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Now, if you said that from the heart, God has heard you, and you've passed from darkness to light. You pass into everlasting life. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You will live with him forever in a place where there are no more tears, no more pain, no more sadness, no more hurt, no more disappointment. If you said that prayer today with every eye closed, we're not going to pull you out and embarrass you.